Welcome to the Educational Leadership Series, Lead Change in Education, where your co-hosts, Adam Drummond and Mark McAmoyle, talk with educational leaders across the country in ways that they're boosting student academic achievement and building collective teacher efficacy. Each episode is especially designed to examine the ways that you can be instructional change agents in your schools as you work to reform culture, instructional planning, learner engagement, and community advocacy in your schools or in your districts. Take the ideas from our guests and work to apply them in your schools so that you can be instructional change agents too. Good afternoon. Welcome back to another edition where we talk with leaders who are changing education. I'm excited to have Dr. Nathan Hostetler, principal of Francis Howe North High School from St. Charles, Missouri, joining Mark and I today for a chat around the work that he's doing there at his high school. So good afternoon, Nathan. Good afternoon. Hello, so Nathan. great to have you join us. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Nathan, say, uh, we had a chance to visit a little bit, and I certainly am excited to hear about your journey and your story at your high school. But um, let's let's hit the pause button and let's bring our listeners in to learn a little bit about yourself and your school, please. Um, well, as Adam mentioned, my name is Nathan Hostetler. I am the principal at North High School, Francis Howell. Uh, this is my first year as, in that role, although it's actually my 10th year as a head principal. Uh, and... Uh, Got to walk into a, a fascinating school with a long history of, of high performance and a, a very high performing distri district, uh, and have had the chance to uh, begin to tackle some issues that were, were plaguing that building for a little bit. Um, and, and that's really kind of how I arrived uh, with talking with you, gentlemen. Yeah, great. So, Nathan, I know we, we met at a uh, Missouri Secondary Association um, conference for school leaders, and at there, we, we talked a lot around. Um, the culture and the components that really make um, schools successful. And I'm eager to hear a little bit from you on what is it that that you saw when you started working in this school from a, a culture perspective from the school that was important for you? So when I walked into the job at Francis Howell North, uh, the building had been in a, a bit of a transition. Uh, essentially, uh, we have roughly 1,700 students, and in the last five years, we'd seen a transition from roughly 10% low socioeconomic status to 25%, um, and we'd seen a transition in terms of racial makeup from uh, roughly 10% non-white to 24% non-white, and all of that took place in a period, like I said, of about five years, and as a result, there were some, some faculty members, some students, some community members who were really struggling to come to terms with Francis L. North's identity. Uh, in short, we didn't know who we were. And so um, I discovered that it was my job to help get that conversation started. Uh, and that's, that's, that was really the touchstone for a lot of the work that we've done since then. Nathan, did, uh, did many people in that building know who you were when you uh, had the good fortune of coming to that building? Not there really weren't very many. Uh, there were a few who had met me through the interview process, and it okay. just so happens that uh, the associate principal and I had uh, known each other for a few years through the principals' association. But I was okay. uh, by and large an unknown. Okay. So yeah, as you came into that school and you you knew kind of the demographic history, you know, I, I think it's such a 
this is such an important topic for many of our listeners because mm-hmm. many of them are becoming new school leaders, right? It's their first principalship or like mm-hmm. you, they've been a principal and they're at now at a new school. Like what were the first two or three things that you did that really helped start to maybe analyze that culture or action steps that you took to really figure out? So what am I going to do? So I had, Francis Howell does a, a very thorough job of, of um, surveying and gathering input from different stakeholders. So as soon as I was uh, given the job, then I had the opportunity to read some of those survey results. And I could see through those responses that there was a pervasive sense of distrust uh, between parents and administrators and faculty and administrators and faculty and students. No one trusted anyone. And so my first task was really Uh, just to listen. I listened and listened and listened as much as I possibly could and talked to as many people as I could and asked uh, pointed questions about what was going on. Um, I talked to, I had an opportunity to talk to some students and some faculty members. I talked with the administrative team extensively. Uh, I got to sit down with some parents uh, and that through that listening, um, I began to be able to put together a clearer picture of um, what really the the school was struggling with, uh, and uh, that was uh, the idea of recognizing uh, the dignity of of each individual person. That people um, people had, had decided to uh, treat everybody in the building as as others rather than as other fellow human beings, and so that that really pointed the direction and where we needed to start our work. Um, if I were going to give some advice to anybody new to a role or new in the, uh, into administration. Uh, it's listen as much as possible. People will tell you what they need um, as long as you're willing to listen. Uh, once once that picture began to form up, then it was a matter of beginning to uh, help the administrative team start to put together a vision of what a new north would look like, what, what the school would look like if, if we really did things right. Um, and so we started to talk about how we were going to uh, begin to build into people begin to prove that this was a different way of doing business, begin to trust people again, um, handing trust over to the students in terms of uh, the way we treated them was a really big deal, um, telling the teachers that we trusted them and handing them control of how to uh, move forward with our school improvement pro, uh, school improvement plan was a big deal. Um, it was just a series of, of conscious, intentional decisions to trust people uh, that started this process. Multifaceted. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to hearing the details on each one of these. I think you, you provided an important reminder of listen, learn, lead. And some of us, when we're new to buildings, that can be an elongated model. It sounds like yes. there's a real sense of urgency around this work. So maybe it was a little more compacted uh, in your situation. Um, uh, Adam, what, what are you hearing here? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the pieces that I, I certainly appreciate is the amount of listening that you started um, in the journey. You know, I think one of the, the mistakes that new leaders often come into is I have a vision of what I want to see happen, and I jump in and I start doing things to people. And what I heard you say is I, I came in and listened so we could create those steps and those solutions with people. That's and, exactly and I think that that's such an important distinction and so I, I would love to know a little bit more around, um, wh- you know, this idea of trust. You know, we can say, I want you to trust us, 
Um, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust the process. Um, but what were the actions that you did to actually elicit trust um, in addition to sitting down and listening to folks? So it, it, the way we elicited trust varied a little bit from stakeholder group to stakeholder group. Um, with students, we had an opportunity at the beginning of the year to sit down with each uh, grade level and talk about our expectations for discipline. Uh, and in the previous year, um, there, were, there had been so many issues in the hallway that students were required to have an escort every time they left class out, uh, without, uh, except for passing time. So we like, meet, like if, if, if a student needed to uh, use the restroom, the teacher called down to the office, the office radioed an escort, and that escort walked the student to the restroom. Wow. And you're yeah. like high school, like this isn't, yeah, high school. Wow. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> and so we said that that's done. There will be no more escorts. Um, we're going to trust you. And if, if you abuse that trust, then we'll deal with that. But we're going to believe that everybody in this room can behave like a young adult. And, and uh, that's what our expectation is going to be. Um, we also stepped away from really um, a, a particularly detailed uh, dress code and just said, you're, we're going to trust your judgment and understand that you are young adults and understand how to dress appropriately. Uh, we said we believe that uh, dress codes are tend to be pretty sexist. And so we're going to ask that you uh, make a judgment and use your best judgment to dress um, as a young adult. And the kids really stepped up to that. So there are some explicit changes in our approach to some specific rules that we use with the students. Um, and eventually, um, they have been involved with actually changing dress code directly, doing things like uh, doing away with the ban on hats. Um, with the faculty, uh, what we did, we have a school improvement plan, of course, and rather than the administrative team putting together a school improvement plan and then working really hard to make that happen, um, we roughed out a, an improvement plan, brought in faculty for input, and then uh, asked faculty members to lead committees specific to that and gave them complete control. Uh, and I asked my administrative team to serve as essentially advisors to those committees. It wasn't our job to make decisions. It was our job to ask questions uh, and provide support and resources. And so the teachers have had a very strong hand in helping the school move forward this year as well. And so that rather than telling people we should, they should trust us, we simply decided to trust them. And that, that built tremendous trust in us in return. Nathan, it is a powerful, and you know, the common, the common theme here is empowering others through that trust. It reminds yeah. me of an old book I read uh, years and years ago about give them an A, the idea of just uh, raising the expectation, they will meet it. Um, and, and tell me a little bit about how students, what, how, how did they respond to you? Um, did they recognize it at first? Uh, was, you know, was there, a, was there some transition time to them really being able to fit that, that mold? Um, the transition was really actually pretty abrupt. Um, again, when I walked into the, that, that job, um, the superintendent sat down with me and asked if there was any low-hanging fruit, anything that we could take care of. Uh, that she could help with to make things move more smoothly. And I, I said, well, the building looks a little bit run down and out of date. And she said, I'll tell you what, we'll paint the interior. And so she poured um, hundreds and hundreds of man hours and uh, a lot of money into painting uh, every single uh, passageway in that building. So when the kids walked in, 
the school looked different. Hmm. Um, the faculty by then, we had we'd had the conversation about how we trusted them. So the faculty felt different. The students transitioned really, really rapidly. I was impressed with them. They stepped up their game very quickly. Um, in a school that had previously been plagued for fight with fighting, uh, we didn't have a single physical altercation in the first eight weeks. Uh, it was remarkable. Wow. These kids really did a fantastic job. And in fact, uh, the first altercation that did take place was broken up by one of our seniors who just said, hey, this is that's not what we do at North anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. So that gave me chills. That's it, awesome. It was I was thrilled. And, and of, you know, there, there are still kids who struggle and kids who do get into altercations. And um, any, any place where you have 2,000 human beings, there are going to be disagreements. But by and large, these kids really took care of business. Yeah. So what I, you know, I'm trying to, like, just process all of this because I feel like we could talk for, like, six hours, Nathan, um, and just really unpack those pieces. And so as you think about the work here, you know, we've talked about the students. Um, what was the staff's response to these really changes around um, expectations for students, expectations for staff? And, you know, how did they respond with this overall from a cultural perspective? They really, I was impressed with them as well. These, this is a group of teachers who for, for decades now have had a reputation of being really, really dedicated to the students. And so when they saw these students being empowered and beginning to, to move forward, then they were on board very quickly as well. And um, they were hungry for change. If, if I'm honest, there are times when I really feel like I've done little more than say yes and every now and then point in the right direction. These are folks who really wanted to move forward. And so they took care of business as well. Um, they, they were a huge part of making this shift happen. And, and there are folks who come to the administrative team with ideas of how to make the school better. And that just flourished. It was incredible. Nathan, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. And, you know, I, getting a chance to do a little bit of a, a pre-meeting with you, I learned that uh, there's a really important name to a lot of your work. I, I understand it's called Dignity Through Story. Do you want to share with the listeners what that structure and um, strategy has provided you in terms of your work in your school? Absolutely. Um, so as, as I began this journey in the Francis Health School District and specifically with Hell North, um, I also had the opportunity through the district to engage in some professional development with a gentleman named John Crownapple, who does a great deal of work around the dignity framework. And his work is based largely on uh, leading with dignity by Donna Hicks. And as, as I began to work with him, I, there was this realization that, that because of the cultural struggles and, and some of the, um, the identity issues, changes in demographics, both racially and socioeconomically, um, how North was struggling with its own identity and struggling to connect with um, the people uh, in the building. And so um, John taught me and taught the administrative team how important it was really to recognize the inherent value of every single being, every single human being we encounter. And so that's the work we undertook. That's actually how we framed most of the changes we made in terms of the way we interacted with the faculty. That's how we framed our conversation with the students. And so over time, after we had begun to work at establishing the sense of trust, um, then we brought John Crownapple, like I said, back in to work with some of our faculty. And he has an associate named Trent Hall. And he came in and then began to work with some of our uh, students. Uh, and uh, 
Mm. Initially, he worked with about 120 students, and we brought mm -hmm. some faculty in to work with him there. And from those um, 120 students, we called out a total of about, I believe it was 50 students, who really had demonstrated that uh, they had a sense of what dignity meant and also had sort of the emotional strength and grit to be able to tell their own stories to adults. Mm -hmm. and. And so then as, as we transitioned into the second semester, we had an opportunity with a professional development day. It was on January 3rd. Um, faculty was scheduled to be there. Students weren't. But these 50 kids agreed to show up. And they came and sat in circles with our faculty. And we walked them through several protocols and gave them the opportunity to share their stories. Um, and, and what happened is in that space, both the faculty members and the students stepped beyond their roles and just became human beings to one another. And so faculty who had um, in many ways become jaded to some of the needs of their students uh, really saw a, a different side of, of who they were serving. And then some students who had mentally dehumanized their faculty members began to understand what they brought to the table and what their stories were. And so as the kids led that professional development, that was an absolute game changer. Um, it, Nathan, it, it, go ahead. Just, well, just, just moved, just moved by the story that I feel like I'm right there in your school seeing in the, in the pace of this work and the authenticity um, of, you know, staff and students collaborating. Um, I just, as a colleague of yours, it's just getting to meet you. I, thank you for this work. It's incredible, really important work in schools. Thank you. It's, honestly, it's an honor. I'm thrilled to have been a part of this so far. Yeah, I think, you know, this, the, the two pieces that I'm hearing here, you know, from thinking about culture and the, and the work that you're doing, um, definitely like you just talked about dignity. But I, I think in that dignity then is the idea of really two things. One is voice. Right. Everybody has an equal voice. That's it. And it, it doesn't matter what your title is in your school. It isn't, I'm the student, I'm the principal, I'm the assistant principal, I'm the teacher, I'm the custodian, that we each have a, a responsibility, maybe a, a moral and ethical responsibility to make this place the community that we want it to be. Um, and, and that doesn't happen overnight. And I think as I kind of listen to your story and, and pull back the layers, so to speak. I, I think this all started with the interviews that you started doing right from the beginning um, to really get to know your faculty and staff and, and know and hear them and then figure out where do we go from here. That's, that's spot on. That's exactly right. And, and interestingly, you used the word community, and I don't think we'd used it yet uh, in this conversation, but the hashtag um, the, that uh, our admin team identified and has really taken off has been FHN community. Um, and that's mm -hmm. begun to show up all over the school. It's on uh, social media. People are beginning to use it just colloquially in uh, conversation. Uh, and the faculty and the students and the, the, the parents have begun to look at this as a community that they all get to be a part of. And that, that's awesome. been so much fun to see. Yeah, I've already just jumped onto Twitter here and, and put that in and, and taken <laughs> a look at it. Like, yeah, you know, and our, our listeners need to do the same because mm -hmm. you're, you're bringing that story to life. And when we think about really the purpose of this podcast is, is to share 
what everyday principals are doing to make e, to make life-changing decisions for kids. And I think, Nathan, that's exactly what you and your faculty are doing. And so I encourage all of our listeners to um, go to the hashtag FHN community to follow Francis Howe North's story and, and the work of, of Dr. Hostetler and, and his team as well. And um, as, you, as you, we wrap up today, Nathan, I want to thank you for just sharing a snippet um, of the work that you're doing and making everyday changes be lifelong decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're interested in connecting with Nathan and continuing to have him be part of your professional learning network, obviously, if you go to the, the hashtag FHNE community, you can follow him very quickly, but I'll give you his Twitter handle, which is FHN underscore principal. And um, you can follow him there as well. So Nathan, any final thoughts as we wrap up today? Um, this, the one thing I would add is that this, I, you mentioned this earlier at, at some level, um, there really is a moral and ethical imperative, uh, for us to find ways to connect with our students and to show them what it means to truly be a part of a community. And I believe that very deeply. Absolutely. So thanks, Nathan, for joining us. Um, We'll definitely get all of this information out posted to our listeners as well. So that way it's an easy way for them to connect. And um, just so look forward to continuing to watch the journey of the Francis Health North community and the great things that your faculty, staff and students are doing. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Hey, Nathan, thanks. I'm locked into your story. I look forward to following your journey as well. I appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining another exciting episode of Lead Change in Education, where we talk with educational leaders just like you and how they're boosting student achievement and building collective teacher efficacy. Tune in to our weekly podcast by joining and subscribing to the podcast platform that works best for you. You can also follow Adam at Adam D. Drummond or Mark at MWHS Principal on Twitter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and you can use the hashtag LeadChangeEd to stay up to date on all of the exciting things that are happening in education related to our podcast, as well as the work that we do each and every day. Until next time, be the change you wish to lead in your schools.